sitting there hearing, I heard this first time I heard him sing when they were practicing, and just like, wow, he's good. Aubrey's always great. But man, that was just really good. Appreciate that. And, and just, uh, we don't typically uh, give shout outs necessarily, especially to individuals who like to kind of be in the background and don't want to be um, seen or known about. But a huge uh, shout out to our tech crew this morning. You guys don't even know what was happening prior to the first service. So yeah, our computer situation, um, wow. If there was a shotgun in the house, we would probably have used it on it. Um, so yeah, so really appreciate Greg and Sherry working on that. And they were on the phone down to Jeremy and switching things around. And uh, so anyways, really appreciate you guys doing that and sticking in, sticking in there. If the stars were made to worship, so would I. That's not the introduction to my message. At least I wasn't planning on it until I was listening to that song again and thinking, stars are meant to worship, so will I. That, that's really the point that we're going to focus in on this morning. Because even in the midst of suffering, our focus needs to be worship. So here's what I want to try to do this morning. I want to try to, as we start out, I want to try to help us connect in our hearts and our minds into the, the emotion and distress that Job is going to experience with what we're reading this morning. Because what Job went through, if you've been reading, and I really hope you have, and, and there, I know there are some who have been reading because they're letting me know, and we're having great conversations during the week, hearing what God's teaching them uh, through Job. But I think sometimes it's, it's so incomprehensible that we tend to just kind of read over it quickly. So here's what I'd like to do. If you can, work with me on this. Who is the most significant person in your life? Just kind of visualize that person. Uh, put that person in your mind. Okay? Got him? Her? Him? All right. Now, just set that person there. Imagine you're sitting alone in your home, and you get a phone call from your boss. And your boss says, hey, just call and let you know, don't worry about coming in tomorrow. Uh, we're letting you go. Now, some of you have probably experienced that, okay? Um, but just imagine what that would look like. Income immediately severed. Then you get another phone call, and it's someone calling you to let you know that that significant person in your life has just passed away. So if losing your job was bad, and having no income seems scary, now that significant person is no longer there to help you through it. So you're sitting there, you're dealing with that. Then you get another phone call. Because you'd gone to the doctor earlier in the week, and you get a phone call from your doctor, and your doctor says, hey, just want to let you know you have terminal cancer. What are you, what are you thinking? I mean, can you even 
put it into words? Can you even take those thoughts and somehow organize them? What are you, what are you feeling? I was thinking about this the last couple of weeks and thinking, okay, if I were to lose somebody in my family, anybody, and then, you know, then I was thinking, you know, Oliver, I've only known him for four months. But if for some reason Oliver were to die, I mean, the emotion behind that, the questioning possibly of God and who He is and His, His goodness. And so the question before us today that we're going to look at is, how do we respond to suffering? Any suffering that we go through, and again, I, I just kind of threw out a possibility that might happen in our lives, but we all go through suffering of some sort or another may not be to the extent that Job has gone through, but we go through it. So how are we to respond? To respond properly? To do it in a way that's going to help us get through? Well, thank God for Job, <laughs> because today, what we're going to be reading through, he gives us the answer. So go ahead and turn to Job chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 13 and then move into chapter 2. Uh, and as, you di- as you're doing that, let me... Let me encourage you to do something as I'm reading, okay? Because here's the deal. I do this all the time. You, I'm sure you do this all the time. We read the Bible, and we kind of read it emotionless. We just kind of read it. We, you know, it's very stale, very um, sterile. We, we don't really get into the emotions that are involved in the author when they're writing, or what's going on in this case in the events of Job's life. And so, as I'm reading, think about the fact that the servants are out of breath. They're, they're probably, <sighs> because they just ran from something horrific. They just ran from either um, animals being taken, stolen, or, or and servants or Job's own children being killed right in front of them. And they're the only ones left to come tell Job. Do you think they're taking a Sunday stroll when they get to Job? They are freaked out. They are emotional. They do not want to give Job this information. And they're completely out of breath as they're sharing this information. And then you have Job. He's got one servant after another coming in to tell him that, number one, you lost your business. You, you got no income coming in. And oh, by the way, all ten of your children, not to mention your servants, however many there were, have been killed. And Job is taking this in rapid fire. One report after another. And yet in that, we find the answer to our question of how we're to respond. So let's go ahead and let me read those for you. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm not a dramatic person, so you're going to have to put in these things. I'll try to give it some, you know, a good try here, but... So starting on verse 13, Now on that day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, we knew that that's what they'd done all the time, 
A messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabians attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in Earl's brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, Naked I came from our mother's womb, and, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Again, we know that he knows that, right? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it, finding someone to devour, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, blameless, upright man, fearing God and turning from evil, and he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, Yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now, touch his bone and his flesh. He will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he's in your power. Only spare his life. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. And he took a potsherd to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. And his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Foolish being another word for fool or those who don't believe there's a God. Shall we indeed accept God, accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Wow! So, what can we learn from Job on how to respond to suffering? Suffering that I would say very, very few people have ever experienced. And Job's servants have just been killed. All of his livestock are gone. His business is destroyed. No more income. His children have died. No one to carry on his legacy. No one to carry on his name. Which, by the way, is a whole other series. I was thinking about this this week. We're thinking about Job, right? God and Satan have a conversation and impacts Job. No, it doesn't just impact Job, does it? His wife's impacted. 
because she lost her children too and the income from that business. It impacted the servant who died. It impacted his children who died. So Job's suffering is intense. This is why we call Job a very difficult book. Because God and Satan are talking about Job, but it has collateral impact on people's lives. We're not going to get into all that. But that's something we need to think through. And then things go from bad to worse. Satan shows up in God's presence again to report on what he's been doing. We know from last week that Satan is out and about looking for people to destroy. He's tried to destroy Job. Job has successfully gone through that suffering. Still living in it, but he evidently successfully went through it. And then God says, well, why don't you consider Job again? <laughs> again, Job doesn't know this is going on. Job's minding his own business. He's trying to recover from losing his business and his family. So, Satan's like, yeah, the only reason he's a man of integrity still is because he says, um, skin for skin. What he's saying here is he's accusing Job. Actually, Job's... He's doing this because really he's extremely selfish. Because skin for skin has this idea. It's, it's an ancient um, Near Eastern proverb that basically says this. A man will give up the skin of his animals, which is his business. He'll give up everything he has as long as he doesn't lose his skin. As long as he doesn't die. So you take away his health and make him think he's going to die. Now he's going to curse you to your face. And so God says, just don't take his life. Do whatever you're going to do, but don't take his life. You notice with Satan, it's always about cursing God to his face. With Job, with us, cursing God to his face is basically saying, I don't believe what you, who you are. I don't believe you can do what you can do. I don't trust you. That's basically cursing God to his face. Satan's constantly challenging us and tempting us, fueling our own selfish desires to do that. So then Job gives him these boils, sore boils, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Now, one commentator uh, said that this is what they call black leprosy. It's, it's actually kind of known in the Middle East, called black leprosy. I'll let you Google it. Because I put it up, I, I went and Googled it. And I hadn't had breakfast yet. Um, and I thought, you know, I am not going to put it. I was thinking, you know, I'll put it up and people can close their eyes if they want. But no, I'm not even going to do that to you. Some of you guys are doing it right now, aren't you? You're on your phones looking. Black leprosy. The, the effects, according to Job, is, uh, I'll read them off here, severe itching. Insomnia, which makes sense, right? Because if you're itching all night long, it's hard to sleep. Running sores and scabs. Anybody ever have a boil? Like it in your knee or... Yeah. All over his body. Nightmares. I like this one. Bad breath. I, I got that no matter what. Anyways, weight loss, chills and fevers, diarrhea, blackened skin. 
And on top of all that, he's sitting on ashes. In other words, he's sitting out on the city dump. Because he has this leprosy, he can't be around people. So he has to go out, away from people, where all the other unwanted people are, and sit. The greatest man of the East is now destitute, sitting in ashes, scraping his limbs because of the sores. We'll find out next week. He's so disfigured, because this is what this disease does. It, it causes you to swell and disfigure. He's so disfigured, his friends don't even recognize him. So, Job doesn't realize this. But what's happening is, God's looking into the future. And He's looking into August 2020. And He's saying, there are some people at Grace Point Church who need to know what it takes and what you need to do to go through suffering. Job gives us a quick roadmap that we can implement, that we can go down in order for us to navigate our way through whatever suffering we're going to have. So, how do followers of God respond to suffering? The answer is found in, in Job 1.20. When suffering, followers of God worship Him. Seems simple, right? Seems kind of churchy, doesn't it? But we're going to talk about what that looks like. Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground in worship. So we're going to look at four things here. First one is this. How do we worship? Well, we worship through a life committed to God. Now this is actually going back to last week. Okay, So we worship through a life committed to God. It says that Job was blameless, upright, he feared God, always turned away from evil. He was consistently setting the tone for the spiritual condition of his family, it tells us. He was always making sure people were right with God. Verse 5 says, Thus Job did continually. His life was known for it. If we want to be able to go through suffering, whatever the suffering is, we have to make sure that we build our lives on a foundation, a strong foundation of spiritual depth and understanding so we can handle what we don't understand about life or about suffering, suffering specifically. That's what Job did. The reason why Job was able to get through what he got through was that his life was already built on the spiritual depth of, of knowing who God was, understanding who, was, who God was, going through life already with God, so that when he came time to this ultimate test, he was able to handle it. See, Job loved God First and foremost, Job loved God and was committed to God more than his wife or his kids or his business. Think about that. Job was able to lose his business and his kids and still worship God. Why? Because he loved and was committed to God. He didn't put his business, his wife, or his children ahead of God. He put God first. God was in charge. Everything flowed out of his relationship with God. And if we're to respond to suffering properly, 
then we need to focus our hearts and our minds, our lives, first and foremost on God. We have to be able to say, God, I love you and I'm committed to you more than anything else in my life. Second, and to me this is hugely encouraging, we worship through expressing our pain to God. Isn't that good to know? That we can express our pain and it's actually worship if we do it correctly. Job tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground and he worshipped. Now, this is a, if you read through Scripture, you find that this is a, a typical way that they physically demonstrate their emotion, their pain, their suffering. And, and even in the, the, the East, the Middle East, they still, they're very... Um, expressive in their emotion. Whether it's good or bad emotions, they're very expressive. He was so overcome with emotion that he fell to the ground. Now, part of that was because he wanted to worship, but part of it was the emotional and physical drain it took on him hearing these reports. And then Job, in that pain and in that suffering, turned to God. Now, this is something that God tells us to do over and over in Scripture. But, but for some reason, and I'm not sure what it is, I mean, I do it too, it's almost like we're afraid to do that. It's almost like we're like, well, I don't want to be weak in front of I don't want God to see me be I want Him to see me strong. No, God knows we're weak. <laughs> and that's good. He knows we can't handle our suffering. He doesn't want us to handle our suffering on our own. Uh, have you read the Psalms? Now, I was going to go through the Psalms and put up the different verses that deal with this. There's just way too many Psalms for me to put up on the screen that show the number of times in the Psalms that people are crying out to God in their suffering, in their concern, in not understanding. In fact, God commands us to come before Him in our time of need. Hebrews tells us this. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, because of all that, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that's in order to get what we don't deserve. So we may receive mercy, not getting what we do deserve, and find grace to help in a time of need. Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. A lot of times people will look at this verse and they just kind of think in the sense of just like temptations. But the word weakness means any kind of frailty. Whether it's disease, whether it's um, spiritual, whether it's physical, our weaknesses, our frailty, our inability to handle Jesus experienced far greater suffering than we could ever experience. More than Job experienced when he died on the cross for the sins of everyone who ever existed or will exist in this earth. In fact, it was such a great um, pain and suffering that Jesus even said, hey, listen, if I don't have to do this, God, maybe we can go a different direction. But what did he do? He worshiped through obedience. And went to the cross 
on our behalf. He gets it. He understands it. And because Jesus suffered for us, God says, come to me. Jesus understands. Come to me to find the grace and the mercy you need. So in our times of suffering, God wants us to worship Him through our pain, in our pain, and expressing it to Him. Third way is the fact that He worshiped through clinging to God's truth. And I, and I use that word clinging because that's what I picture. I, I picture, you know, I don't know if Job had any papyruses or whatever that they had, the, you know, any of the old writings that he had. You know, I don't know, but I, I, would, I would imagine going through suffering, like crying out to God, but having the Word in front of me and just finding God's truths in here. What do I need to know, God? What do I need to understand? Speak to me, not just here in my thoughts and I think you're speaking to me, but here where I know you're speaking to me. I need to cling to your truths. See, God's God's truths are our security. It's it's like a life preserver out to the person who's drowning. They're going to cling to that life preserver, right? Or to a kid who's hurt and and, in pain. You're going to find his parents. Mom and dad, and he's going to cling to them. That's what God wants us to do to him using his truths. And here's the the massive truth. He's going to talk about some more later on, but here's the massive truth right here, right now, and that is everything Job had was God's first. Everything Job had his wife, his children, his business. He says that he didn't have anything when he was born. Born naked. In other words, I had nothing. And when I die, I guess I'm going to have nothing. Paul talks about this in 1 Timothy. He says, we've brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. Job had food and I'm sure he maybe tried to get a covering as he sat in the ashes. Everything we have was God's first. Again, this is seen throughout Scripture. King David talks about it in Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who live in it, who dwell in it, were God's. And everything we have is God's. Ethan talks about it. He says in uh, Psalm 89, The heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all it contains, you have founded them. Solomon talks about children. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Our children are gifts from God. They're not ours in that sense. Job would be the faithful servant in Jesus' parable in Matthew 25. You guys might remember, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. If you know the rest of the parable, three guys were given uh, responsibility to manage what the owner had. God is the, the master. We are the servants. We own nothing. Everything is God's, and we are responsible to manage it. And Job, even in his pain, I'm not saying there's no emotion here. Obviously, there's emotion. But even in his emotion, even in his, his despair, 
he understood that everything that he had was initially from God. How can I accept good from God and not accept what I consider to be bad, he says. And then if we're doing those three things, we end up with this worship, and we worship through obeying God. Worship is ascribing worth to God. Worship is saying, God is uh, worth my obedience. God is more important than anything else in my life. God's way of doing life is better than my way of doing life. And so we, we obey Him. We, we trust Him and do life His way. Job advised him to curse God and die. Which is exactly what Satan wanted. Which is why he reprimanded her. Job responded in worship. So that in all that Job went through, he did not sin or blame God. He did not curse God. He cried. I'm sure he wailed. And we find out that he's asking a lot of questions and he's hoping God will listen to him and have an audience with God. But he doesn't curse. So out of a, a life committed to God, Job expressed his pain to God, clung to God's truth, and did not blame God in what he thought or what he said. Next week we're going to be introduced to Job's friends. And we're going to answer the question, how do you help somebody who's going through suffering? But this morning, and as the band comes up to close us out, uh, during this song, I'd like you to consider what we've been talking about. So the first takeaway is that we need to be worshiping God through a life committed to Him. And so as, as we close out this morning, and as we're singing the song, maybe you just need to take a time and, and not even sing, but just have a conversation with God and say, okay, if, if that's going to happen, what needs to change? What changes need to be happening in my life in order for me to, to be able to build that depth and understanding of who God is so that when suffering does come my way, I'm not going to be bowled over by it. Secondly, Worship through expressing our pain to God. And again, I think as, as Christians, for whatever reason, we think God doesn't want me to do that. Like He wants me to demonstrate some sort of strength. Our strength is not in us. Our strength is in Him. And Job showed us clearly that we are to express. And so express it. Not in a rude way. Not in a disrespectful way. But crying out to God for help, for understanding. Worship through clinging to God's truth. And by the way, with that, if, if, you're not, if you don't know it, you can't cling to it. And so in order to cling to it, you've got to be in it. So maybe one of the changes from number one is you're in this. In God's Word. Reading it, studying it, knowing it. Uh, maybe even building up a list of, of truths from God's Word that down the road when you hit Suffering, you're going to be able to pull from those quickly. And then the last thing, worship through obeying God. Work hard in order to not end up blaming God, accusing God, 
but obey Him. So that what is said of Job could be said of you, could be said of, the said of Job could be said of you. That he didn't sin. He didn't blame God. He didn't accuse God. But he stayed faithful and worshipped God in the midst of that. Guys.